Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you everywhere you go. This sermon is an episode from Sunday, January 15th, 2023 called Jesus Revealed, Here Comes the Messiah, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, So here in Epiphany, we're talking about Jesus being revealed. I'm looking at the time and I'm going, wow, I can't talk as long as I did in the first service. Count yourself blessed. It means I'm going to have to get right to it. I'm going to have to get right to it. You know, royalty has been in the news lately. And um, I I was remembering back to Queen Elizabeth, who I admired really pretty a lot. And... uh, and, and, and Americans kind of seem to have a fascination with royalty and the British royal family and so forth. And they're fighting and they're bickering sometimes and ups and downs. But boy, they can pull off a good coronation, can't they? They pull, they pull off a pretty fancy wedding and the, you know, or even a pretty fancy funeral. And what I find interesting about that, what struck me in this text, the reason I'm telling you this illustration is Epiphany is where Jesus is revealed. And the the servant songs in Isaiah. So Cheryl did a beautiful job reading. Thank you. You always honor the scripture. Thank you. And so that's the first of what we call servant songs in Isaiah. Four of them. Isaiah 42. The last one is like the most holy scripture in all the Old Testament. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before us like a dry shoot, you know, shoot out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He was marred and disfigured beyond all men. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? If you're not, it's okay. But I mean, that passage about the suffering servant, by his wounds we are healed. It's just amazing. So these are four songs. They're not, and we don't know if they have music or whatever, but four sections that talk about what's the Messiah going to be like. So when Jesus gets to public ministry and in his baptism, he is kind of launched into public ministry. How do you announce that? And I think, and what immediately came to my mind as I prepared this sermon was the British royal family. When you're going to announce, hey, here, this is the queen. We're going to do her coronation. And you know, it was kind of cool as they reflected on Queen Elizabeth's life to see the old broadcasts when she was 21 years old and how she said, I dedicate my life to this. Everything I do will be about serving you, the people. And it was just moving. It's moving to me. Um, They don't make them quite like that now. Um, They're made a little differently. (laughs) Um, And so it's interesting to see that. And boy, the pomp and the circumstance and the carriages and the horse and and the uniform and the weird hats and the, you know, the scepters and all these things. And they they are kind of... Um, revealing her, pronouncing her, you know, that kind of thing, introducing her into her role. Royalty has a... But you know what it struck me about it? It's fake. I mean, God bless them. I mean no disrespect to the British royalty or Queen Elizabeth. They're people just like you. They have to dress up. They have to put on makeup. They have to add to it. They have to... When Jesus is revealed, this is Jesus revealing. He's revealed in these Old Testament things. 
What makes him completely unique? He's, we used this phrase before. He's a king like no other. He is the servant of God. So what does the servant of the Almighty God look like for you? And how is Jesus revealed here in Isaiah that gives you hope and encouragement? I pray that it does. I pray that it does. These are powerful words uh, that we heard. So that's why I'm talking about this. When we seem to want to make a great pronouncement on something, we build it up and we have to dress it up and we have to... There's no dressing this up. This is our Savior. And he's different than our leaders. Thank God. Okay, here's the first thing. So I played a lot of softball and basketball, high school, and then as an adult, lots of soft baseball and basketball in high school, but then softball for many, many years. And, uh, you know, it was funny, and I coached a lot, and I, you would get to know the umpires and so forth, and I would go up to the umpire beforehand, you know, if I knew him well, and I would say, hey, just, just a reminder, I'm happy however you call balls and strikes, would you please just be consistent? Call the same balls and strikes all the time. Like if you want to call a, a low strike, okay, just do it all the time for everybody. And, you know, with, and so that infuriates me like when I watch baseball games, professional ones, when you get an umpire who has this changing strike zone all the time. Or in basketball, you know, you have some guys, they love to call three in the key. Or you have other guys who love to call offensive fouls or whatever. And, I, and as, a, as a player and a coach, when I coached, I would say, please call it the same for both teams, right? It's only fair, isn't it? And when it's not called the same way, it seems unfair. The trick is we live in an era in which everybody's making their own rules. I would call this the era of Calvin Ball. Do you know what I'm referring to? No, you don't? You have to look it up. Calvin and Hobbes. In the Calvin and Hobbes comic books and strips, they have a game that he plays called Calvin Ball, in which there are no rules. Now, that's fine for a small boy with an imagination. With a wild, crazy imagination, it's great. But as soon as somebody else wants to play with him, it ain't pretty when you play with no rules. You know this. If the goalposts keep moving and you don't ever know what a touchdown is, it's frustrating. And we live in an era of Calvin Ball in which everybody is making their own rules. Look at what it says about the servant of God, though, because here comes Jesus, and he's announced in his baptism, and he's foretold in Isaiah, four songs. This is the first one. He brings justice to all. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations, to the whole world. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. It then says in verse 3. Now, here's an interesting thing. So he's going to bring justice. Well, that's tricky. I, because what do we mean with justice? I just want him to be fair. Hmm. Do you? Really? Do we really want him to be fair? It's really interesting because we live in a, in a world where hard things happen. And sometimes it doesn't seem fair. I haven't ever seen that promise in the Bible anywhere. That it will always be fair. Because God would not hate you so much to make that promise. Do you get where I'm going? Because if he was really fair, it wouldn't go well for me, I know. If I had, if all, I'm thankful that in God's eyes, all the videotapes of my life have been lost. Thank God. 
Because here's how he brings justice to the whole world. It's because this servant of God bears the justice of God on himself. And because he bears the justice of God, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What a promise. The reason he brings justice to all and why this servant is so different is he has the justice born upon himself. You take public figures and leaders today, they're never to blame. And Jesus says, I'll take all the blame. So that when you come to me, you can know the true justice of God because it's been born by me. Second thing that this one does, here's how he's being introduced. In our world today too, I find this to be the case. The loudest voice gets all the attention. It's funny, when, I, when I, Teresa and I would direct dramas and stuff like that, we were a little harsh sometimes with our kids in school because we would say, we'd go through practice, and I would say, I got one rule. If I can't hear you or understand you, leave. We don't need you standing up there mumbling because guess what all these people came for? They actually came to hear what you were going to say. So if you can't say it loud enough and you can't do it clear enough, I mean, I, I mean it's great that you have the experience. We've got to hear it, right? We need to hear it. What's interesting is, though, the best of all actors and actresses are not loud. They don't shout and cry out unless the role calls for it, something like that. The most powerful ones learn effectively the role of silence, the ability to pause so that every ear is turned. And you can hear the gentlest of whispers. That's this servant. He doesn't draw attention to himself like everyone else does. He isn't shouting in the streets. He isn't causing an uproar. He's speaking in a gentle whisper so that we might bend near and hear what he has to say to us. Third one. So... I'm building a house, you know, building a house. I have bruises all over my body. Do you bruise easily? Man, I do. My wife does too. And please, doctors, don't tell me, oh, you must have a condition. Please. God bless you. Sorry, Randy, don't be doing that to me. No, and it's, you know, you're carrying sheets of OSB, you've got sheet rock, you've got big hunks of concrete, you're moving and transporting, you know, you're doing things, you drop them, you move them, this and that. And the joke on the, my job side is if I haven't bled, I haven't worked that day. So, I'm a, and I'm really a blunt instrument. I just am not, I'm just kind of blunt instrument. So I, I have all of those bruises. I don't, but now I'm asking you a, a serious question. Do you breathe, bruise easily? And do you know where I'm going with this? Bruises you don't see. The casual word that the person who said it didn't think twice, but it cut you pretty hard. Or the, the time you were ignored and it was like a punch to the gut that, or your opinion was insulted or discounted, that you were unimportant that a friend that you thought was a friend wasn't so friendly? Bruises? Got any of those? 
How about, got any smoldering wicks here? Where you're wondering if you're going to have energy for the next day? Because you need some hope? Yeah, I love these images that he has here. <clears throat> a bruised reed he won't break. And a smoldering wick he won't snuff out. I, this may not be a good analogy, uh, but I did stats for ISU football for many years. I, it was purgatory for me. That's a joke. It was horrible. It was really bad. Um, and not much hope there. Well, now we have a new coach. And, and again, and we are... And you know, this is not a fair comparison because it's Division I football. But my guess is that the new coach at ISU might have some harsh words for losers and bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. We need winners. We need tough guys. And I am telling you this, thank God we have a Jesus who knows that my guess is in the room here, if you're not one of those things, you're lying to me in some way whether it's hurting for somebody else or a loss that you experienced. And this is some of the best news that I hope you'll hear this week is that we have a Savior, a King, a King of Kings, a Messiah, a Chosen One, a Savior who comes for the bruised reed and comes for the smoldering wick. You know what the neat promise of a smoldering wick is? Have you ever noticed this when it's just smoldering? Get a lighted flame within about two inches of it and what does it do? Just go poof. So come near to Jesus. If you're a smoldering wick, come close. Come close. Because he's ready to light it up again. And so a bruised reed he won't break, a smoldering wick, because those are the ones for whom he came. He came for the broken and the hurting. Here's a fourth one. So I, um, I think I have a reputation with my subcontractors building my house. Because you work with a whole bunch of guys, plumbers and you know, heating and air ventilation and concrete and on and on and on. And I think those poor guys, and there's a couple of them sitting here today, my apologies, don't like me too much because I am, I am a little bit relentless. Um, I, I will call repeatedly and over and over because I'm relentless. And I kind of learned this, to be honest. This is one of my parenting things. When people had asked me about parenting, I said, well, we had three rules as we raised our kids. We said the first thing is with our kids in terms of disciplining our kids is we were immediate, we were appropriate, and we were relentless. Those three things. We were immediate because we didn't let it go. If we needed to do discipline, we did it right now. The second thing is it was appropriate. Like if we, we didn't say to him, if you don't stop behaving like that in the grocery store, we're not going to Disneyland. Uh, we were going to go to Disneyland. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to give away your college fund. You know. <laughs> um, and the third one was this one. We were relentless. We not, if it was important, it was always important. It didn't sometimes become important and other times become not important. Here's my point. Jesus is relentless because you're important. He will never stop pursuing you. He will not falter or be discouraged. Never. There is never a time he won't pursue you. You might say, well, he's probably given up on me. 
I've held him at arm's length for so long. He probably doesn't care anymore. No, nope, too bad. Still coming. And even if you've been his faithful child day after day after day, he still pursues you. Like in a good marriage, husbands and wives always pursue each other. They are relentless in their love for one another. And so in the same way, this is the servant of God who is relentless in his pursuit of you. And then the last thing is this. So in the, in the show, The Chosen, I've appreciated, I've appreciated. There's, and, and by the way, I'm going to tell you something from a, from a recent episode. So if you haven't seen any of season three, there are no spoiler alerts. We ha- it's in the book. You can read it for yourself, okay? So here's the thing. But it's caused a little controversy. So there's a scene where Jesus goes home to Nazareth, and they're kind of like, hey, how come you're not doing miracles for us? And Jesus, quoting scripture, you know, in the scriptures, he says, I know you'll say to me, physician, heal yourself, right? How come you aren't doing cool miracle magic things here? How come? And the prophets never welcome in his hometown, right? You familiar with this? You probably aren't going to like me too much because Jesus was the kid they saw growing up and goofing off and playing with his friends, and he was just a kid, and his dad was just a carpenter. So he's, but he's asked in the synagogue to say, it's pretty cool to speak in the synagogue. And I kind of wish the chosen would have done it word for word out of the Bible because in the Bible he says he reads and he talks, it's this messianic thing. I've come to give sight to the blind and let the lame walk and the dead will rise, freedom from the prisoner. And then he sits down and he says, in scripture it says this, Today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. Holy cow. And they say, isn't this, it's just Joseph and Mary's kid. Who does he think he is, right? That's what you're getting. Snooty McSnoot, what do you think? Jesus, and then in the book, in in the series, this is not in the Bible, but I like what he did. Because what are they driven by? They're driven by the law of Moses, aren't they? And you have violated the law of Moses. And that's what this, the, the rabbi, the synagogue rabbi, he's just incensed. What are you saying? What are you saying? Are you saying you're the Messiah? Jesus says, uh-huh. You know? And so, and he goes, Woof! he's like sputtering and this and that. And the law of Moses demands us to do this. And Jesus says this word, I am the law of Moses. Now, this is why I'm finishing with this. Because that's what gives us hope. Oh, thank God. Because if Jesus isn't the law of Moses, you're on it. You're on the hook. Good luck with that. Somebody's got to keep it because God demanded it. And Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He contains it all in himself. And that's what gives you hope. Because if, you, if you're trying to keep score with God, Stop. Stop. He doesn't want you to. And he's offended that you try. Because he's already scored all the points. And already gained the victory. That's what I love about the baptism. I'm about done. Really, I'm about done. It's what I love about the baptism. What's so powerful about that to me. Because you know, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized. He's not a sinner. But he walks in the water with the sinners. With you and with me. And he says, these are mine. These are mine. That's the servant of God. That's our Messiah. Thanks be to God. 
If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. Mm -hmm.